Welcome to the New Life Digging Deeper podcast, where we take Sunday sermons a step further, giving you the opportunity to gain greater understanding and ultimately grow your relationship with Jesus. Hey everyone, we are excited that you joined us for the Digging Deeper podcast. We have Brian Wilmarth back this week. Heyo. Glad to have you, sir. Yep, it's good to be here. I'm glad to have you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. There this you is, go. Yeah. Okay. So anyways. We, we always have the best intro. <laughs> They're about as good as our outros, so, <laughs> which isn't saying much. So. <laughs> so if you joined us this past week and you did recognize we are starting a new uh, series um, for Christmas here, we're yep. calling it Fulfilled. It's where we're looking at some of the passages in the Old Testament. And honestly, it's a lot of non-traditional passages associated with Christmas mm-hmm. to kind of look at Jesus' birth and just see what the Old Testament had to say all leading up towards that. So I've really appreciated it, but I thought maybe some people are like, what's going on? This is <laughs> yeah, not something which I love because yeah. honestly being on staff and at church, when Christmas comes around, sometimes it feels like, all right, we're going to kind of do this. Yeah, How can we thing. reinvent the wheel? And yeah. in a way, we, I guess we're kind of going that mm-hmm. route, but it feels helpful. And I won't say anything else because I don't want to answer my question. But <laughs> anyways, what kind of got us towards uh, moving this direction? Yeah, well, it, you did. Uh, so yeah, yeah there true. it is. So in, in our preaching team, uh, we, we take a, a retreat and we plan out the year and uh, try to look ahead to what's coming. And this was a bit of Cody's idea. You know, maybe we we look at some of these things that that give rise to the the birth of Jesus, and so. But I, I think you know we often think of the the typical ones. You know, you look mm-hmm. at Isaiah or something like that, where it's the very specific to the birth mm-hmm. kinds of passages. But I think I thought we we kind of collectively share like maybe we look at some other things that are not as common and. One of the things that that does for us is it allows us to see Jesus's birth, see Christmas in just slightly different way rather than, you know, we do the same kinds of things, which is valuable. Like I think mm-hmm. there's immense value to looking at the same kind of thing, like doing that repetition in, you know, in a, in a season or a holiday. But this just allows us to turn it just mm-hmm. a little bit where we can maybe see something we hadn't before or, or have a freshness about like, oh, this is why we worship this child. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like, oh, it makes me feel good or it's mm-hmm. the typical things we, we associate. It just allows us to kind of recover some of those extra things that maybe we sometimes miss. So that's why we're doing it. And that's hopefully what we're accomplishing by, yeah. by doing all this. I didn't write the question just so you could pat me on the back and say, <laughs> it's my idea. Yeah, yes, you did. <laughs> kind of, I, I kind of did, I guess. Um, a bit of my story is growing up in church and kind of seeing all these stories as just like separate pieces. And as I've got older, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, this is one full redemptive mm, story. Yes, and yep. so I think that was kind of where I was coming from is like, how yeah. can we continually teach into people understanding how everything is actually connected Yes, um, and not see them as like small snippets here yeah. and there? Yeah. And, it's, and I think that's why even this first week where we go back to the very beginning, mm-hmm. Genesis 1 through 3, and like we, we know this story, but we don't often intentionally connect it to the birth of Jesus and what that all means. So like, let's make those connections clear. And yeah. All that. So we had so much fun in preaching last week because <laughs> Jess was like, all right, snakes and Christmas. Yeah. All right. How, how are we doing this right now? And. Yeah, it's the, it's the things you can suddenly Google. <laughs> snakes and Christmas was a little surprising. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so growing up, 
often for me, you're, if you're in a church where people go verse by verse, like straight through the mm-hmm. Bible, or yep. um, <clears throat> then I feel like some churches in the modern context have got away and how can we make it more applicational? And then we get too far another way yeah, right. at the same time. And yes. I feel like we're kind of in this happy medium of yeah. how can we balance both mm-hmm. of these? Yep. And so what's some of the limitations when we don't do that well? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think um, with Christmas especially, we are so familiar with certain things about it. And it is easy for us just to kind of slip in like, oh, I kind of know this. You know, we hear we hear the the birth narrative over and over again. And again, there's such good work that comes with the regular reading of it, the repetition. Mm-hmm. But if if we don't allow ourselves just to make sure that we're kind of checking ourselves or taking a step back and and seeing it afresh or seeing it for what it truly is rather than what we think it is. That's where we really do get the the good work that it can do. So um, I think it's I think it's really important for us to to come at it from the fresh angle, but then also see the grand story like you're talking about. Um, this isn't just a oh we we have this baby in a manger and all is quiet and it just brings warm feelings like Yes, it is that, but it is so much more than that, and that's what the rest of the story can help us see. And so I think um, the benefit is we we really do keep clarity in the forefront of our minds as we're looking at these common stories, these things that we know, and not just let it slip into the the stereotypical, you know, warm feelings kind of thing. We're mm-hmm. actually encountering our Lord who yeah. did these things, yeah. and and I think that's the benefit that comes from it. So, yeah, and I hope even this, especially this first week, like we're talking about snakes and, and crushing evil. Like, the, I mean, this, is a, this yeah. isn't your typical Christmas kind of thing, but that is a, that's what's happening by mm-hmm. him coming. Yeah. Oh, man. So Fulfilling prophecy. and Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. And that was one of the questions you said, like, what is Jesus coming to do or mm-hmm. you know, yes. fulfill? And yeah. Yeah. you had said, you know, it's, it has to do with evil, sin, and death. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of processing through that a little bit and just – we don't interact with those three things hmm. super well. Right. And a lot of times non-Christians, that's one of the biggest things that they'll try to use to mm-hmm. point towards an unloving God. Yeah. So yeah. when we play out our theoretical David, maybe he's mm. feeling those in the moments with his marriage, with his mm-hmm. relationships, and he's seeing the evil in the world. And how do we help him see a loving God in those mm. moments? Yeah, that's a great question. And it, and it is it is hard sometimes to know exactly Mm-hmm. what to do with that. But I think it is in facing these really hard things in our own lives mm-hmm. and realizing God did that too. Yeah. That's where we get some really... Because I think for me, and I think this is true for much of our culture, we want to avoid the hard. Like yeah. we, we try to you know medicate or we try to uh, run away from it or, or mm-hmm. put in more good things than bad things. And we do all these things to take away the hard stuff. But I found in my own life, and I, I think our culture feels this to some degree too, we try all these things that they don't work. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't actually address any of these hard, broken, wrong things, especially when it's the wrong in me, you know, my own sin, my own you know, sin patterns, the things that I literally do wrong. We try to just cover over those, but nothing works. And so what is the solution? And the, the solution is not to just like, well, and you become cynical and, you know, kind of swing the other way. Like God, God himself has done this. And so that's what we look to when we see Christ being born, coming as a human being. He's walking this, the same kind of life we are. And there we see how he 
mm-hmm. interacts with it and what he does about it. He's the definitive power um, over all of these things. And so we do see sin, evil, brokenness, wrong, death. And it's like, how can all these things be when we have an all-powerful yeah. and all-loving God? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't somewhat make sense. But at the same time, we see what he does with it. And, oh, man, he deals with it decisively by himself succumbing to it and and mm. letting it take over him, but it can't hold him. And that's mm-hmm. where the power comes in. So that is the good news of here's a, a God who's willing to lay down his life mm-hmm. for us and hopefully to a David and to our culture. The answer is not to run away, not to try to cover over it or, or you know ignore it, but to actually face it because when we do that with him, there's power to overcome. Yeah, And I hope that um, us coming to terms with our own wrong, our own brokenness, the, the, the world around us, there we can see how God can move in a mighty way. And he does have that kind of power. So anyway, I hope it, I hope it is encouraging, even if it's calling to do hard things, you know, to face, yeah. to face hard things. Well, and I, I wonder too, if we're trying to put ourselves in the shoes of the person who's sitting there with David at the coffee shop, mm-hmm. I think um, when he has seen the evil sin and death in the world and he sees an unloving God, mm-hmm. we can allow him to see a loving God through us Yes, and how we proclaim God in that moment and yep. how he's been to us in our lives yeah. and in recognizing that there is evil and like yeah. getting leveling with him there, mm-hmm. um, but finding the truths of the scriptures and being able to offer that in yeah. a way that's relational in a way that he can hear that and accept that and let the Holy Spirit do yeah. the rest of the work. Yeah. Um, and it strikes me too that, in like in a more practical angle on this, like you're if you're sitting with a David, you know, across a table, and you hear someone saying these, like I don't understand, I can't like fathom it. I think sometimes our our response as Christians has been, or we've been trained, we need to squelch that, we need to like refute that, mm-hmm. like no, 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 it's not true, and and we go after it. And I think the posture, like you see in the Psalms, especially. Like the like psalmists, the yeah. uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, some of the things you read, like, can he say that? Can he write sure. that and say that sure. to God? And God's, God's okay with it. Yeah. Cause I think he wants us to, to get it out, to voice it, to be mm-hmm. that honest. And I think if we model that same kind of posture, yeah, this, this is, we evil. start to bring him into everything. Yeah. Versus, yeah. Yep. Instead of trying to like, soften it or cover over it, which I mm-hmm. think is sometimes what we do when we say, oh, no, 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 that's not true. Or we, and we just minimize the evil sure, or sure. give a pat answer. But when we let a David say like, yeah, it is wrong. It is evil. This is hard. I don't know how it all works. There's a permission that comes. And I think all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm stepping into something bigger. And I think that's what we see with Job. When Job is like, this doesn't seem right. And he comes and encounters God. God, you know, Here's my power, and it's a bit overwhelming, but God doesn't shame him for asking the question. Mm-hmm. He does, he, he pushes back and says, there's more going on here. But I think that's what we do when we allow a David to voice and, and say like, yeah, there is hard here. Mm-hmm. And we begin to face it. I think there's real good work that takes place. And then we can begin to see yeah. a loving God in an unloving Defending time. and justifying realities is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. Uh, anyways, <laughs> great.
great point. Do we have yeah. anybody else we can interview? Right. Like, where's Jay Carper? Can we get Jay Carper? <laughs> By the way, that was fun to listen to you guys last week. Yeah. It was awesome. Just yeah, it's that. been cool getting to know Jake even closer. Yeah. And yeah, we have some good alignment and it's cool to see how God's worked to get yeah, him here and for sure. just seeing where his heart is at for youth and young mm. adults. And yeah, yeah, I'm fascinated just to see how much potential he sees in maturity mm-hmm. in kids. Cause I remember yeah, when I was yeah. that age too, and like, man, I don't know. Like, but he just really sees, you know, yeah. God at work in kids' lives and yeah. how much further they can go than what mm-hmm. we kind of imagine for a kid in that space. Yeah. He just has a good imagination for that. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that about him. Cause I think mm-hmm. sometimes a stereotype of a youth pastor, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, we have fun. And we just kind of entertain kids. Like he, yeah. he wants to take kids deep and mm-hmm. not uh, leave them to just a shallow version mm-hmm. of any of this. So yeah. Yeah. And the kids are going to feel honored by yeah, that too totally. yep. as well. So Yeah. Good stuff. I like it. (laughs) It is great, man. Um, I thought maybe you could just uh, narrate the genealogy that you went over, and Mm -hmm. that was kind of an aha moment. Um, But I was just wondering if you could kind of just get to how you got to that point again. Yeah, totally. So I think a lot of times when you come to a genealogy in in the Bible, it's like, okay, this is just telling me a bunch of people. We kind of like gloss over Mm -hmm. it. And I did that for a long time too. Um, but then I go to seminary and seminary is really helpful for you to learn things. And we had a professor, particularly in our old Testament, and, um, she really did a great job of helping me see there is often so much packed, even into just a list of names, because why does the author of whatever book choose to include certain things? Cause usually there's gaps. Like you, you don't literally get every generation. Sure. There's, there's often that, but why do they include some and not others? And like, when you see Jesus's genealogies, you know, some women are included, which was not common practice. So you kind of know what's the typical pattern. And then, then how does this particular genealogy depart from that? These are all important. So to our genealogy, what Luke is doing by tracing it the way that he does, like, hey, all the way back to Adam, he's saying something. And I think what we as a reader, as we encounter that, are not simply just like, oh, here's a list of names. Luke is trying to communicate something theologically. And so he's connecting the dots from Jesus all the way back to Adam. And he's trying to do that intentionally. And I think it's for this reason. This is the son of Adam. He is the second Adam. He is the one who was born of Adam and Eve who would be the promised offspring. And so like, I think just those subtle things, the Bible does that. It often works mm-hmm. in that subtlety. So the aha moment is Luke trying to say, hey, remember the stories of Adam and Eve? Here he is. He's, he's trying to communicate or put that idea in our heads as we're walking it out. And it's no coincidence that yeah. he goes into the next story of the temptation, the wilderness, like the yeah. snake showing up, like here he's connected. Well, like first century Christians and like they would have seen that so much quicker. Yes, absolutely. Than we would. Yeah. Fascinating. And that's the way that I, I, as I've learned more about the Bible, the more I've realized how it is working in those subtleties. Like it doesn't come out and say some of the things that we want it like if we were to write it today, especially we just pro, like proclaim very clearly, like propositional and that kind of stuff. The Bible tends to work in a more subtle approach. It's it's putting some things indirectly. It's not coming out and saying sometimes what it's trying to communicate. And so I've I've just learned to see it that way. And man, yeah. there's a richness when you when you can pick up on yeah. some of the subtleties. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's what Luke's doing. He's he's trying to connect us back to Adam and all of that signifies those stories and what he represents, Adam represents. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So it is an aha moment. Luke is coming out early on to say, this is the one, this is the Messiah. And he, I'm going to show you in very, many different ways how mm-hmm. to see that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what would your, if you could do it, what would your elevator speech be <laughs> for this message just yeah. in general? Cause there was a lot of really great stuff and there's some good application pieces at sure. the end. And what do we actually do with that information? But yeah, just wondering what that would look like. Yeah. I think I would say, um, you know, Christmas time, we talk about light coming in darkness and that's a powerful image at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that's not just like, oh, okay, cool. I get a candle and, and I can feel kind of, Ooh, this is nice and, and whatever. <laughs> that is a, a bigger image than we realize because there's darkness all around us. It's the evil. It's our own sinfulness in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it's death. That is darkness. God has brought light and overcome that darkness. And that has happened in the, in the person of Jesus. He comes in to defeat that darkness, defeat all the evil, defeat uh, sin and death. And he does that pictured in the, in the person of Satan and the, the image of the serpent. He is the one who crushes all of that. And that's why he came. That's why he was born. And so we, we can stand firm in him and live the kind of life towards that light that he's bringing. That's my elevator speech. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Hopefully it did. Yeah. No, no, that's good. Just hopefully the person on the elevator doesn't have time to ask questions. I know. It's like, what do you mean by all that? <laughs> Bing. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> uh, same time tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I appreciate that. And we appreciate you guys for listening in. And um, let's just go ahead and give the listeners kind of the preview for what's coming up this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to keep going in our series and we're going to look at Moses. And there's a reference in Deuteronomy 18 where God's going to raise up a prophet like Moses. And so what does that mean? Um, so we're going to look at the person of Moses just a little bit more and, and the uniqueness that he brings and how Jesus is also fulfilling that same kind yeah. of type. So, um, yeah, it's going to be cool. So, yeah, we're we're getting close to Christmas already, yeah, man. We're like two Sundays away. and man. how quick it comes, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, we are so glad that you guys listen in. And, yeah, please <laughs> share this with um, family and friends. And if you have any questions for us or if you want to know more about Snakes at Christmas, you can uh, <laughs> email us at contact at newlifeonline.org. I say that jokingly, but seriously, if you have any questions about just our church and Mm -hmm. what we do here, why we do it, um, we would love to hear from you. So anyways, everyone, we will catch you next time. Uh, Have a good week or wherever you're at. Yep. We'll see see you.